Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Welcome back, everyone, and let me say happy holidays. Uh, this is Jim Mitchell, and pleased to have you with me for another edition of our weekly legal discussions here on Chicago's Legal Latte. I extended a holiday greeting there just a moment ago, and with that comes a reminder that the holidays often bring uh, some strict enforcement of roadway laws, uh, including frequently um, extra patrols and even further checkpoints in some communities where motorists may be stopped to look for adherence to things like seatbelt laws, among other things. Uh, So it's clearly a time when even well-intentioned drivers have to be alert, and uh, unfortunately some may find themselves behind the wheel every once in a while after perhaps one drink too many unintentionally, but uh, sometimes it happens, and that leads to unfortunate consequences. Now, today I'll be talking with Attorney James Dore of Lavelle Law Limited. Uh, he'll be explaining various types of standardized sobriety tests that law enforcement officers may utilize if uh, they encounter drivers in the field. So we've got a lot to cover. To begin with, let me just say hello, first of all, to Mr. Dore. James, nice to have you here again. Thanks for taking the time. Hey, Jim. Nice to be here. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thank you. We've got a lot to talk about and certainly a time when uh, people need to be extra cautious. Uh, we're going to talk about standardized field sobriety tests. And, um, you know, people may have a vision in their head of what that looks like or may have encountered it. Can you give us a quick description of uh, a standardized field sobriety test and what the topic is about today? Okay. Um, well, the standardized field sobriety test, the reason they're called that is there's some standardized testing that was approved by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, or known as NHTSA for short, and a little easier for this format. Um, Basically, it's the the standardized tests that are approved um, for officers to use to determine whether or not somebody um, is under the influence, at least as far as uh, probable cause for the arrest. So these would be the the tests uh, that are approved and for this this use by, by officers in the field. Okay, and, and you mentioned NHTSA there. I assume then that these standards, as you described, are are really a um, federal process or a federal set that others follow, as opposed to just a local Illinois law that or Illinois process that might be used. Right. The the, the, the feds uh, they they took a look at what states were doing, and, and they they decided there was a need for a standardized process for everybody to use. So, say an officer here in, in Illinois uh, using the same. Um, standards that someone in any other state could look at the motorist and come to the same conclusion that this person is either under the influence or not under the influence, given how the tests are administered and how that person responds. Okay, so when we talk about being standardized, then what the officers are trained to do is sort of uh, conduct the test the same way, the same process um, each each and every time. Exactly, exactly. They're, they're prescribed in a standardized manner, um, and they're Basically, uh, there's clues that are that are uh, derived from that test, and then there's criteria that the officers use. So they're all standardized, and yeah, the, the the goal is to have, no matter where this officer is, with the same data, to have the same conclusion that this person is or is not under the influence. So that's what, uh, yeah, that's right on the point. What um, what type of tests are we talking about now when we when we refer to these tests? 
Okay, well, there's three that have been approved um, by NHTSA, and the three tests are the horizontal gaze nystagmus test, the walk and turn test, and the one leg stand test. Um, the horizontal gaze nystagmus is basically checking for involuntary shaking of the eyes that can be um, indicative or indicative of alcohol use. Okay, that's that generally referred to as HTN. Is that the uh, acronym we might use for that one? That is it. Yeah, I prefer that as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, kind of a uh, a lot to cover there. Um, now, tell me it's about the. Uh, yeah, tell me about the next one. You mentioned, I think you said a, a walk and turn test. Sure, that's a walk to straight line test that most people are familiar with. Um, and essentially, it's uh, nine steps: keeping your hands at your side, walking heel to toe across along a, a line. It could be real or imaginary. Um, there's a prescribed turn. It's not just a simple pivot, but it's a turn that's kind of small steps. And again, nine, nine steps back in the same manner. Um, but there's a lot of things that the officers are looking for. Um, this and the one-leg stand test are divided attention tests. So they're, they're um, assessing not only your ability, ability, uh, ability to physically perform the test, but also um, your ability to think and you know, comprehend what the officers are giving you as far as instructions of these tests. So somewhat cognitive and, and just your, your uh, attention and, and faculties in addition to just what you can do physically. Right, right. So okay. can you follow these instructions? Can you listen, follow the instructions, and then actually physically perform? So. And, and uh, you, you mentioned the one-leg stand test. Now, the, the, the walk and turn, you said, you know, nine steps on the imaginary or, or actual line there. What's a one-leg stand? One leg stand is exactly what it sounds like. You stand mm -hmm. on one leg. You can pick one leg up in the air, whatever leg you choose. Uh, again, your hands have to be down at your side. Uh, you have to count out loud by thousands up to 30. It's actually a time. It's supposed to be a time test by the officer, but they, they'll ask you to count up to 30. And, um, and you also have to look at your toe while you're doing that, too, as your toe is kind of up in the air and extended. So, again, it's you're trying to count at the same time physically perform a test. So again, that same divided attention or multitasking. Um, they're looking for your ability to either perform or not be able to perform that test. Interesting, interesting. Uh, James Dwarf, Lavelle Law Limited is my guest today on Chicago's Legal Latte. We're fortunate to have someone with his background uh, here with us today. He has successfully completed the training for the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and International Association of Chiefs of Police DWI Detection and Standardized Field Sobriety Testing. And, and it's our topic today. Um, he recently posted an article on cell phone usage uh, while driving another very hot topic uh, here in Illinois and other places. That can be found at lavellelaw.com, a, a very comprehensive website. And uh, James also a published appellate lawyer in the Illinois 2nd Appellate District, so very impressive credentials, and we can uh, certainly appreciate the information he's sharing with us today as um, it comes from a great deal of experience and, and understanding. Um, now, I, I have to ask, you know, as you talk about these, these three tests that you've mentioned, um, and the conditions under which they might be tested. There are people of, you know, all ages, sizes, shapes, physical ability, uh, you know, probably even footwear that might impact these. As you look at it from an attorney's perspective uh, and, and with the background you have, can you say that these tests are, are accurate and, and would be conclusive in most cases? 
Oh, I, I'd probably conclude just the opposite from what you just described, is there's differences in, in, in all kinds of people and the conditions that these tests are, are given under. So um, walking a straight line on a, on a flat uh, surface inside of a room, let's say, is very different than what you're likely to find on a roadway. Um, some roads can be nice and flat and have a line there, and some conditions are quite the opposite with poor lighting, uh, poor surface uh, of the, the ground, uh, no straight line to walk or no guidance, um, any number of things like that. Plus, weather can get involved. A windy day would affect the walk and turn test. Um, so there's any number of factors that we look for um, when we uh, look at a case and whether somebody's been properly charged or not. So we will dissect each and every one of these tests to say, okay, how is it? How is it done? What are the field conditions? You know, and all these other factors that you just pointed out is a good, uh, good starting point of, of what we look for. Okay. Now, I know, you know, I, I think most of us would expect that um, just the act of being pulled over um, can, can shake some people. And when you're asked to perform tests like this, you know, even a, a totally sober driver is going to perhaps be nervous, even physically shaky. Um, someone is stopped um, regardless of what condition they're in. Do you recommend that if they're asked to take these tests that they should, or is that not the best course of action? Uh, my recommendation is not to take the tests, um, only because it's really subjective and the officer's opinion is what matters most And when the, when the judges look at these cases initially. Um, did the officer, looking at the facts at his disposal and forming the opinion that, that somebody was under the influence, was that reasonable or not? So it's really a lot of faith placed in the officers, and just what you pointed out, there's, there's real-life conditions that go on here. Um, somebody's nervous in a traffic stop. Um, is there any number of things that could affect performance of these tests that have nothing to do with uh, uh, alcohol usage? Mm -hmm. And what would the ramifications to a, to a driver be if they refuse to take the test on site? Well, it'd be more likely to be placed under arrest immediately, but also at the same time, those tests are going to be what the officer uses as proof in court to establish not only the, the criminal misdemeanor or possibly felony charge of DUI, but also the suspension that goes along with the driver's license and, and uh, making sure that, that you know, they want that suspension to stay in effect. So they use that as well as their probable cause for the arrest. Okay. Now, we're talking about physical tests today, things that uh, you may be asked to, to perform if, if stopped, the standardized field sobriety test. Um, what other common tests might uh, an officer ask a driver to perform or might they follow up with um, either in addition to or in place of these tests? Sure. There's other tests, but they're not the standardized ones that are approved by NHTSA. Um, but, you know, we've heard of other tests where there's counting tests or alphabet tests. Uh, or even more important, the, the most officers will want somebody to submit to a preliminary breath test, which is a uh, for lack of a better word, a breathalyzer that's a portable unit that's on the scene that they could uh, ask somebody to, to submit to as well. So it's another test, not necessarily a physical test, but a very important one in, in uh, the eyes of the law. And you mentioned the, the process then of, of this becoming, test results becoming uh, evidence that can be used in court. Um, I assume as you you know work with your clients and, and uh, defend cases like this that you, you obviously spend a lot of time going through the evidence. What else would you recommend to someone who does get pulled over, you know, not only relative to the test, but just behaviorally, things they should do, things they should avoid, just to make sure that, you know, by the time they get to you and get to a court that you have the opportunity to really represent them well? 
Sure. Well, most important is just to be polite with the officer. You don't want to do anything in a threatening manner. When you refuse to do tests, just do so in a polite manner. Um, you're not trying to cause the officer any hard time or make his, his job more difficult. You're simply, you know, this is a, a legal area, and you may or may not want to talk to a lawyer ahead of time. So there's, um, you know, there's reasons to say no, and it's your choice to either submit or not submit to these tests. So um, just make sure you're polite with the officer. And, uh, you know, as as people find themselves in situations like this, um, obviously not to be taken lightly. Um, they should have an experienced attorney with them if, in fact, they are charged with anything. Uh, generally, I think you had mentioned that if someone is stopped and under suspicion of, of driving their, their, or, uh, driving under the influence, they, they immediately lose their license, and is that in effect until they get to a court hearing, or can you just refresh us on that process? Uh, sure. The, the, uh, in the state of Illinois, the, the suspension that's called a, a statutory summary suspension uh, kicks in at the 46th day after the day of arrest. So you do have a right to file a petition with the circuit clerk, uh, the, the court asking for the petition, um, asking for the suspension to be rescinded or basically stricken. Um, so there is a judicial process, but there's no way to, to delay the suspension from going into effect. Um, but you can it, it, uh, file a petition to challenge that suspension, and there are certain grounds under the state of Illinois that you're allowed to challenge based on, and one of those is whether or not you were placed under, uh, the, the officer had probable cause to place you under arrest. So that's what these tests go to, the, the probable cause for the arrest. So one of the, one of the things we would challenge um, in a petition would be whether or not the officer had probable cause for the arrest based on performance of these field sobriety tests. Okay. Well, I think that right there would lead us into another great discussion. I think we'd have an opportunity to talk about that, so let's maybe tee that up for a podcast in the future. I want to thank uh, James Dorr for joining me today. We're kind of running out of time here. As we wrap up, let me encourage everyone to always, of course, drive safely, be especially cautious this holiday season. Um, we want to make sure that um, everyone has the opportunity to enjoy it. So many thanks to Lavelle Law Attorney James Dorr for joining me today for this very informative session. Thanks very much to all of you for listening as well, and we look forward to having you join us for an upcoming episode here on Chicago's Legal Latte. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. 